We are Encountering Silence. Encountering Silence is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Please visit patreon.com slash encountering silence to learn more about how you can be part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all too noisy world. Friend and previous guest of the podcast, Patrick Shen, is an artist, author, award-winning filmmaker, and the founder of Transcendental Media. His work includes the award-winning films Flight from Death, The Quest for Immorality, The Philosopher Kings, La Source, and the South by Southwest 2016 film In Pursuit of Silence. In 2009, Patrick was the recipient of the Emerging Cinematic Vision Award, from Camden International Film Festival. And since 2005, he has presented his work at hundreds of film festivals, cinemas, museums, and major academic institutions all over the globe. Since 2012, Patrick has been lecturing and teaching filmmaking workshops all over the globe as a film envoy for the U.S. State Department and the USC School of Cinematic Arts for their American Film Showcase. More recently, Patrick and I co-authored a book titled Notes on Silence, a book that acts as a companion to the film In Pursuit of Silence, and it was a result of working on that film together. In 2020, Patrick released a COVID lockdown-inspired film called The Dawn Chorus. Patrick is currently at work on a slate of films, including In Praise of Shadows, As Slow as Possible, and another film we're working on together, Day of a Stranger. You can find out more about Patrick at patrickshen.com. Patrick, first of all, it is really great to see you. I think it's been maybe a year since we've gotten to work together in person, which is really sad to me. Uh, We're collaborators and yeah, it's just really great to see you. So welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. It's an honor. You guys have been uh, doing an awesome job with the podcast, having amazing, brilliant people on. I, I don't feel worthy to be among such company, but thanks for having me back. Well, you should feel worthy. You're, this is the <laughs> third time you've been on, I think. I so, think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fourth, yeah. maybe. I'm thinking it's the fourth. It might be. Is it? it? Be. Yeah. It means you, <laughs> Most you... returning guest in history. <laughs> the quintessential encountering a, silence guest. Yeah. Do I get a trophy for that or plaque or something? That'd be awesome. <laughs> Last time you were on, Patrick, you told us about the Dawn Chorus, which was a recent film you were working on. And could you tell us a little bit about that and where it's at and um, what's been the rollout plan for that? Yeah, so I think back in April, we were just getting the ball rolling on this film called The Dawn Chorus. The Dawn Chorus um, was meant to be a collaborative project, a gesture of hope in the midst of like a really strange and and dark time, right? It was um, the height of the lockdown and I think the, the gravity of the COVID-19 pandemic had fully set in at that point. And I think a lot of us were just looking to respond to that moment rather than just simply react as many of us were doing, right? We, many of us were um, thrust into this this new normal, as we call it, right? This Our rhythms and our pacing of our lives were all interrupted and came to a sudden halt and looked very different all of a sudden. We were all sort of navigating this this new space. And my idea was to simply get other filmmakers together and do something at the time. 
And the idea was, you know, let's have everybody gather on one morning. We picked May 3rd and film the early, you know, first sounds and the first light um, of the day and compile this into a meditative film as a gesture of hope and a meditation on, on, on rebirth of sorts. So that's what Just the, to clarify, the drama, Patrick, yeah. you all weren't actually, we, we weren't together. Explain yeah, that sorry. a little bit. I should, I should phrase that differently. So 35 filmmakers ended up signing on to be a part of this film in 13 different countries. And it's, uh, it's a cinematic meditation of the dawn of May 3rd, but seen from the perspective, the unique perspective of these 35 film filmmakers in 13 different countries from our particular lockdown perspectives at the time. The film is done. It premiered at the DC Environmental Film Festival back in, uh, gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I don't remember when it was. It was a few months ago. And we're looking to kind of share it again with the world. New year, the vaccine is out and coming our way, hopefully, in uh, a matter of months, hopefully. And so, I don't know, there's a there's, there's sort of new sense of hope and a sense of looking towards the future. And I think it's a good time to, to talk about this film and to meditate on what the future might hold for us. And so Patrick, for those listening this week, could you share that uh, you are being so generous to allow us to view the film for free? Yeah, so I wanted to do something special for your listeners and make available a unique private link to your listeners to watch the film for free. Um, so if your listeners, as of today, navigate to the website watch.doncoursefilm.com and type in the password encountering silence, no spaces, one word, uh, they'll be able to view the film for free up until Sunday, January 17th, the end of that day. And maybe you you talked about this back in April, but I'm a bear of little brain, so refresh my memory. Um, <laughs> why May the 3rd? Was there anything special about that day? Yes. So May 3rd, um, the first Sunday of, of each May, historically, people gather to witness the first sounds of the day. Um, they gather around dawn and listen to the bird song and all the sounds sort of emerging from nature at the start of each day. That's um, known as International Dawn Chorus Day. You know, the dawn is fascinating. It's, it's as a period of, of transition um, when the earth is literally tilting towards the light, right? Um, and it's always had a special place uh, in our imaginations through everything from our, our myths to our architecture, um, arts and literature. It's been the symbol of rebirth and, and resurrection. Um, and also another interesting aspect of the dawn is that it's a passage from this unconscious state, this dream state to a conscious one as we kind of wake to the future. Gordon Hempton talks about the dawn chorus as, uh, as life um, waking up to the future. Um, and I love that. I love the idea of, of gathering with others to hear life awaken to the future. It reminds me of how the Japanese during the Edo period would gather around a lotus flower to listen to it bloom. And you guys know Nouwen's work, right? Henry Nouwen talks about silence as the mystery of the future, um, the Desert Fathers retreat in the desert as the first step into this future world. And so this was just kind of a, an attempt to convince enough people to journey into that future world with me and see what fruit it might bring. I've always felt 
that the dawn is kind of the most romantic part of the day. There's something that's weirdly isolating, but also collective about the moment, not unlike the moon or the sunset, right? It's something we collectively get to see around the world, which this film points to and points to that, that solidarity. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit to just the experience of this podcast being about silence. And it strikes me that the dawn is particularly silent and it's, it's one of the more silent things that we share collectively. And I wonder if you could speak to what that meant in the work for you or what that meant in the work for while editing even, or Mm. filming yourself. Yeah. There's something uh, like you say, magical about the dawn. There's like a clarity of mind. I think that comes with, waking up with the sun it's uh you know we have the the residue of the dreams of the night before still kind of on our minds and kind of coloring our experience of the morning and um, our minds are still quiet and they haven't been kind of these demands haven't been thrown at us yet and it's um it's a beautiful time to reflect i think i mean i i'm not a morning person i don't i don't ever wake up that that early um, but I love the experience of doing it. I, I had done it a number of times leading up to May 3rd because I wanted to find the right shots and the, the right locations. And, and so I traveled to a couple of different places on a number of different mornings. And it was actually really nice. It was just the, the, the world hadn't woken up yet, you know, and I felt a, alone, but connected in a way. Um, just had this amazing kind of clarity of, of mind, like I said. Um, and... I don't know. It was nice to, it was, I think what was most rewarding about the experience was being able to just kind of speak into the moment in my own way and giving some shape to what I was feeling. I think it was just such a confusing time for so many of us, you know? Um, And it was a mix of emotions. There was, we were anxious, we were fearful, we were angry. We were also hopeful about what the next day would bring. And so it was nice to just kind of sit and, and be in that space and be the mess that I was and be the sort of mix of emotions that I was experiencing and not feel that I needed to, to, to do something specific or react to something um, in particular, but just kind of be in that moment um, and contribute in some small way, you know? I like that you're kind of describing it as the experience of filming and the experience of doing this film as an amplification of the collective emotions happening in all of us amid lockdown, amid COVID. And yeah, I just think that's a really beautiful way to describe it, that it's, uh, that this creative work is not only an amplification, but also an expression and a result of going through that together, going through that alone and, and the results of what that means, what that looks like to, yeah, to have something to point to that as a shared experience, Mm, um when I filmed here in Indianapolis on that morning with with you all I remember it being really really emotional for me and just really beautiful to quite literally be looking at the dawn sky with people all over the world and recognizing our togetherness in these these times of of separation and yeah it was just such a beautiful experience so I love that you did something creative that yeah that was also stripped of ego and allowed us to be and see together 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. There was like this this unification of spirit amongst all of us uh, in a way, and there's like this fellowship that kind of sprung from it, which I really loved, and and frankly didn't really expect. I didn't know what to expect. You know, we we put the call out to professional filmmakers and amateur filmmakers alike, and um, reached out to a lot of my own friends and, and network around the world to do it. But there were a lot of strangers that also signed on to be a part of it. And I didn't know what, what to expect. We asked everyone who contributed um, footage for the film to also submit a short essay or just some words about their experience. And, um, you know, it was, uh, we were all thinking the same thing. We all loved the idea of doing something. We all loved the idea of doing something together. And it was probably, it was for most of us, a rare moment of waking up with the sun and listening to the world kind of wake to the future. So yeah, that was, that was a really nice surprise to find that kind of solidarity amongst everybody. Patrick, are you familiar with the composer, Eric Whitaker? Eric Whitaker sounds familiar. He kind of made a name for himself by doing what he called the virtual chorus. Hmm. where he would put he would write a composition he would post it and then invite people to sing whatever their part was to oh, cool. do do a little video a little youtube video upload it to youtube then he had an engineer take all of those videos down and blend the music mix the wow. music together hmm. and then create the video that he created basically would be a montage so you'd see all these little Almost like, you know, the Hollywood squares, like a Zoom meeting, but literally no with hundreds of people. I love that. And, and, and the music is just exquisite. He's done this two or three times. And the, and the music is, is just exquisite. I mean, it's just amazing that all these people recording in their living rooms, I'm sure some recorded in professional settings, but there were a lot of, you know, just ordinary folks, kind of like what you were describing. That's amazing. And this is pre-COVID. Yes, yes, yeah. He he did this several oh. years ago. Um, I, I I guess he's still doing. It. I don't know, but um, but yeah. So um, I think this is another kind of invitation into how how this technology that we have can, in this kind of surprising way, bring us together. Absolutely, absolutely. What, yeah. What What do you think, as an artist? What do you think you've you've learned, or you know, how has this experience maybe opened up something new for you? You know, it's it's opened me up to the possibilities of cl collaborative work. You know, I spend a lot of time in my little shed where you see me now, <laughs> and it can be it can be isolating um, and lonely in here. And I forget that there's a world of really beautiful artists and voices out there that can offer something to this conversation that I'm trying to engage the world with too. You know. Um, and so I found that really beautiful and um, I have opened myself up more to the possibility of, of collaborating with people around the world um, in other parts of the globe. And uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll, we'll, see, we'll see more of that in, in the future. I certainly have kind of dabbled in that a bit more during this, this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, just more partly out of necessity, but also partly out of just sort of exploring that as a, as a possible way to move forward with my work. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. 
So speaking of, and I don't know if you want to speak into this, but you're working on a new film called As Slow As Possible. And I know there was an important part that was filmed perhaps during this pandemic and you were, you were, you almost had to uh, collaborate with other filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. So as slow as possible is, uh, you know, I've been really um, hesitant to pull the trigger on another feature length project since in pursuit of silence. It's been, I think it's been like five years now since in pursuit of silence was released into the world. And it was such a, for me, and I think you would agree, Cassidy, that it's such an epic undertaking for, for us, uh, having to wear so many different hats and be pulled in so many different directions for so many years on, uh, with no end in sight um, is exhausting, is exhausting. But um, as of late, I have really started thinking about this journey that I'm on as an artist, um, this journey with silence that I'm on, and I feel like the the sort of next chapter for me is to explore slowness, um, timelessness, our relationship with time. Um, I think that's the natural sort of evolution of this this journey that I'm on. And I discovered a composition of John Cage's many years ago called "As Slow as Possible," which was originally meant to be a, like a 30-minute composition played on the piano. Um, then it was repurposed for the organ because the organ isn't limited to the decay, the natural decay of the sound of the piano strings. And so it could literally be played for a much longer period of time. So a group of philosophers, theologians, composers got together and reimagined the piece as uh, a 639 year long performance um, that's happening in a small uh, sleepy town in Germany called Haberstadt. And this past September of 2020 um, was the, I think it was the 17th note change in this composition. And the world gathered, there's a bunch of press there just to witness the changing of the chord, changing of the notes. And yeah, I was supposed to be there. I was really bummed to not, to not be able to be there. Um, but we had to find some collaborators on the ground, a cinematographer and a local producer to film it for us and cover the event for us. And they were fantastic. And uh, yeah, so we'll see where this project takes us. It's a, it's it's going to be an epic. It's going to be a big one for me. It's gonna it's gonna be years on end. One of those kind of you know obsessions of mine that'll that'll kind of slowly roll out over the years to come. So we'll see where it takes me. You know, Patrick, just sitting here yeah. l- listening. First off, uh, before before I say anything, I just want to thank you. Because your work is inspiring. Um, It has always been inspiring and it continues to be because I I think listening to your answers here and the work that you're interested in, uh, it does a couple things for me. First off, I keep thinking ritual. Right. I mean, like here we are, we're, we're putting out work and everybody's participating and this feels like ritual. It doesn't matter if it's religious ritual or whatever, but it's a ritual where everybody's engaged in the same story, following the same script and yet coming up with new stuff. Right. Somehow the script is alive. Right. Every artist knows that the music isn't just on the page. Uh, the movie isn't just on the script. It comes alive when the artists and the director and everybody puts their vision in. Even though we're all using the same page, it, something different comes out. And so your work, I think, pointing to the kind of the transcendent aspect of uh, moving past ego 
and yet it's still your work, is that paradox is very profoundly interesting for me because uh, we, especially what you're just talking about here, this description of, hey, there's cinematography or, hey, we're going to go online or, hey, we're going to do this. And, you know, when I go online, I got my Instagram influencers. I got my people who want me to look at them and, you know, and they're putting out content and they're doing things and they're being creative. They definitely are being creative, but you're doing, you're kind of scratching at an itch that I don't find in a lot of places. There are other people doing similar work. I'm not saying it's just you. I'm not saying that. But I really do appreciate that when I find the people who seem to scratch that itch, uh, whether silence or whatever has gotten into your blood and now you really are, are chasing that for all it's worth uh, or or letting it chase you maybe. Um, yeah, right. What do you hope that the audience who sees your work gets from it? If, if I come stumbling on him, if I'm not ready and I come stumbling into Patrick Shen's world and I re, and I see this, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> what is wrong with this? Guy? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And, and how can I get it? You know, uh, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a really good question. I have been driven by this sort of existential kind of yearning and curiosity for, uh, for a long time, I, I think since I was a teenager, I've been this way where I've just wanted to know about how to be better in the world, how to navigate this space that I'm in. And, and, I, and I just, I've made the assumption that there are others out there in the world that feel the same way that I do, that are also having a hard time navigating this space that we're in, um, that want to know more about the space beyond words that that we all seem to kind of gravitate towards, you know? This conversation on Encountering Silence will continue after a 30-second break of silence. Take a moment and breathe with us. And so I'm, I'm just simply kind of finding ways to express that journey, you know, and I, and I hope that people will, it, maybe the work will illuminate a path for them, but I hope in the end that it'll be their own path, right, towards the space beyond words, whatever we want to call it. Um, and that's, that's, really, that's really the bottom line. Um, I, I'm just kind of trying to understand you know, and uh, there's just sort of this, this profound, deep curiosity about the world and how to be in it that drives me, you know. It, it seems to me that's always been a part of your work. I mean, your production company that you founded is titled Transcendental Media. Hmm. You've always been about, for lack of a better expression, transcending what is into kind of this mysterious realm, this unspoken realm, this this place where 
perhaps we can all meet that we all know. Mm. And it's been really beautiful to see that evolve for you. What, what was the found, foundational story of Transcendental Media and, and why you came up with that name in the first place? Yeah, it's actually from Freud. I had read an interview with Freud um, where, gosh, I, I, I can't recall all the details now, but the interviewer asked Freud, you know, what his purpose for being was, you know, like the, the purpose behind all of his work and what he was intending to do with it. And he said something about uh, it's to agitate the sleep of mankind. So I, I, for me, this idea of waking up, waking up to the future, waking up to the reality around us, um, waking up to the reality kind of beyond our immediate context has always been kind of an interesting journey for me, an interesting curiosity for me. And so that's kind of where it was founded and where it began. And it's kind of become something beyond that, right? It's, it's literally become this kind of transcendent journey, this, this exploration of what it means to do work and make work that's not just work, right? But it's, it's an expression or it's a, it's a, it's a direct sort of uh, evolves from a consciousness rather than a representation or replica of something or a replica of a consciousness, if that makes any sense. And so I don't know, so that, that's, you know, what does it mean to, to not just make a film about silence, right? But how now to live silence and work uh, from a place of silence. Um, that's ultimately kind of what, what I'm after. And so it's not just a it's not just an exploration of transcendent ideas, but how to, can the work itself be transcendent? What I love about that is that Freudian, and I don't think Freud would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> because that's it's not that's kind of the opposite of kind of the things he was trying to get at, which is Carl Young like, would be would be quite oh, pleased with what yes. that answer is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Young yeah. would be all about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's such a wonderful answer. I really do appreciate the idea too of um not playing with transcendent transcendent ideas. That that that's what you just said. I don't want to spend time in transcendent ideas. I'm trying to open up or be a voice for, or you said a couple different ways there that that's, it's fascinating again, because I don't, I I think that's the thing. That's the scratch. That's the itch that uh, I think a lot of people are looking for. Cause I I agree with you. I think there is a huge audience of people who like what you're doing. Yeah. Well, thanks. And it's nothing new. Religion uh, since the beginning of time has been an attempt to transcend the here and now and the space that we're in. And so it's, it's just, I'm just, it's, I'm just part of a long tradition of people wanting to know more about the world that we're in, you know, and wanting to find some answers. Um, of course, we always end up with just more questions in the end. And that's kind of the nature of the journey. And that's part of growing up, I think, is learning that it's all about the right questions and not necessarily the right answers. Yeah. yeah living the questions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Patrick, uh, when we last spoke with you, I think it was April and we were only about a month into the pandemic mm. and, uh, you know, sheltering at home, you know, social distancing, all these things that have kind of become part of our lingua franca over the last eight or nine months. So, um, you know, and you, I remember you spoke so eloquently about the sheltering at home as being a pause. So eight months later, eight or nine months later, where are you in relation to the pause? 
And what do you think this has taught you either about silence or about art or about life? Uh, that's a good, that's a great question. You know, I've found that silence is really hard work. That's for sure. It's the simplest and most gracious, gracious thing and also the most devastating thing at the same time. You know, silence is this mode of being uh, where our our, um, our being is more porous to the world around us rather than closed off to it. It's a beautiful way to move through the world. It removes this um, performative aspect of being in the modern world. Um, and it allows us to just be, kind of be free the, the, in the, the mess that we are without the definitions of other people's definitions of who or what we were supposed to be. And, and so that's awesome and beautiful, but it also doesn't, there isn't a lot of space in this modern age for the undefined and even the loosely defined. Um, we live in a time when, when, you know, definitions form the walls of our existence and the way we move through this world. And so it's a, just a day, it's a constant struggle to continue on this path of producing work that comes from this, this space, this, this consciousness, and find a way, frankly, to sustain and survive in a world that doesn't really give a crap about it, <laughs> seemingly. You know, um, there are folks out there, certainly, but uh, the world as a whole uh, doesn't really have space for those who kind of operate on the fringes. And so that's been a little confusing to me to be quite frank about it. Um, and that's also what drives me um, in my work and trying to sort of navigate this in this real world, this immediate world that we're a part of. But I don't know if that answered your question. You asked about the sort of the pause that we're all in the midst of. And I think it's been, um, for me, I'm having, I'm having to redefine what home is in a way, right? And I think we're all kind of having to redefine what it is for us, especially those of us who are not accustomed to working at home, right? So now our, our workspace and our home space is one and the same. And we have to redefine where it is that we go to rest, where, to, where it is that we go to connect with our loved ones and be away from work. And so it's, we're in this sort of kind of limbo with no end in sight. And I think it's, it's disconcerting, but also kind of freeing. But I think that's what silence is, you know? It's like, it's a terrifying space in which you have to kind of craft uh, a new existence from. Um, and it's a lot... It's a lot of, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's scary. It's scary, but exciting at the same time. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> um, how has, when we last spoke with you, it was before the horrors of the George Floyd killing and the Ahmed Abbery and Breonna Taylor. How have those events and, and the way our nation has responded shaped your understanding of silence and your relationship with silence? Mm. I think that, you know, Nowen talks about how our words as instruments have to speak from the future world in order to bear fruit. That makes me think of how our, our actions here now have to speak and point to that future world in a meaningful way. 
um, rather than simply add to the noise around us. And I think what silence can do and should do is make our offerings to the world, make our actions, our activism more meaningful, intentional, and point to actual fruitful outcomes. So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about how I spent a lot of time in the shed in kind of this isolate, this kind of self-imposed isolation on many days. Um, it makes me think about how sometimes I feel disconnected from the world and I'm constantly having to remind myself, like, I'm here doing this work in silence and solitude so that I could be a part of that world, so I could be further connected, more deeply connected to that world. Um, it's not about my own journey. It's not about my own ego. It's not about uh, my own transcendence, but it's about a collective transcendence. Like, how can the work that I'm doing here and how is the work that we are all collectively doing in silence and solitude contribute to the larger conversation and move things forward in a meaningful way. What what I like about that, I think this gets me back to the, I think the original question I was going to ask you. Um, and I don't know if I have a question now because it feels like you've answered it, <laughs> but I, I want to make the connection for me. What I'm hearing you say, we feel disconnected from the world, as you say. And, and you say that like a lot of people don't seem to give a damn about silence. There are people you say, but there, you know, you wonder the world doesn't seem to care. And I, I feel that, I feel that tremendously. I think there are people that care, but it, it you feel like there are systems in place, um, organizations and the way we put things together, it, it, the way we've structured the world, whether it's economic, you know, fa familial, whatever. Uh, we yeah. put these things in place and it seems to focus more on the doing and the mm -hmm. ego and the noise and the performance and all that kind of stuff. Uh, where is the space as you just said, how do we unplug to, so that we can relate better, you know, that, so that we can actually be who we are as opposed to performing who we think we are. And what I appreciate, I think this is why I, I'm so excited about your work, is you and others who are doing work like you are helping us. They're giving us rituals because it feels like there was a time I, I could be wrong. I mean, I didn't live 400 million years ago, but it just feels like there would have been a time where the way humans were structured, there was more silence. I don't know. I'm, I could be wrong, but there just, it feels like the, I, I wonder because like you have to go out of your way to look for it. Did we always have to? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, but it just feels like when I find somebody who's doing this work, whether it's artistically or whatever, um, I, I, I gulp it down, you know? <laughs> yeah, same, same here, same here. I, I think it's really important. I think that especially now when so much of our lives are dependent on, you know, technology, our devices to kind of get us through the day and navigate our jobs and et cetera, I think it's more, so much more important to kind of unplug from that and to get creative with how we do that waking up at dawn and watching the sunrise, for example. Um, there's a there's sort of kind of like a biological element to it, right? That we don't get from our devices. Our devices are the antithesis <laughs> uh, to that. And um, 
I think that there's something to be said about kind of returning to those rhythms, returning to contexts that are more in alignment with our bodies um, and who we're meant to be. So yeah, 400 million years ago, I think it was much easier to do. I imagine it was a more biological time, you know, whereas now I think it's a more technologically driven time and we're missing that element, that biological element to it all. Yeah, something about that. I think in a way, right, you're offering to share the Dawn Chorus with listeners. And there's something striking to me, Patrick, about you mentioned the phrase collective transcendence. And of all that you've been describing and discussing, it, it strikes me that that we could watch this film and kind of have that meeting place, kind of have that moment together in order to, yeah, move into that collective transcendence, move into that spaciousness of silence and be with each other. What is your hope for people uh, in watching this film? Well, I, you know, even, even before the pandemic and all the multiple crises that we've experienced uh, in, in 2020, you know, life was fragmented and just crazy, convoluted. Uh, so my hope is that this film will give them an opportunity to have a meaningful pause to all that and simply think about what they want from the future, um, what the future holds for them, what they want the world to look like, what they want their own lives to look like as we all collectively emerge from, from this crazy, challenging situation that we're all in. Um, there's also kind of like this kind of unifying kind of aspect to the film as we spoke about earlier. There's like this compression of time zones, you know, where time is kind of like equalized all across the globe in this film. All these moments of the dawn are intercut as though it's one, you know, singular day that we're experiencing um, in 13 different countries. And there's a sort of there's a there's that collective transcendence that's sort of baked into the concept of the film it's embodied in the film and i think that's an important thing to remember that we're all in this together that we're all going to emerge from all this together we're all isolated in our homes and trying to figure out how to do life safely and and but it's there's a collective aspect to it we're all trying to do our part we're trying to do things as a whole to get through this. Um, there are things that we can continue doing collectively to get through this quicker, you know. I think people will get what they're supposed to get from the experience of, of watching the film. The film itself is pure meditation for 21 minutes and it's meant not to be prescriptive. Um, and it's simply um, an opportunity for people to, to sit in that moment and experience what it's like to to wake up with the sun in different parts of the globe. Is there music or things that go along with it? And if, is there a narration? I'm, I'm just trying to give a sense here of, of who, who participated. Was it more than just uh, filmmakers? Was there musicians? Was there a speaker? Was there any of that kind of stuff? So there's a little bit of music uh, that helps guide us into the experience and then takes us out of the experience at the end. All the music was contributed by a super talented uh, vibraphonist composer by the name of Masayoshi Fujita, who was kind enough to offer his music for free. Um, and it's 
I love his music. It's haunting and it really puts you in the space to be reflective and to kind of travel into that innermost kind of sanctuary. So there's no voices. And I think that was from the get go, that was the intent. Um, it was to take all these kind of this, this tornado, this mix of emotions that we were all feeling and articulate them in, in only the way that silence can, right? And just let it be the mess that it is um, and not feel that we have to kind of put some sort of name to it. But that's the film, yeah. We are Encountering Silence. I'm Cassidy Hall. To learn more about me, please visit CassidyHall.com. I'm Kevin Johnson. To find out more about my work, visit my website, KevinMichaelJohnson.com. I'm Carl McCollman. My website is CarlMcCollman.com. Please visit the podcast website at EncounteringSilence.com. There you can learn more about each of our episodes and find links to purchase books and other resources we discuss on the podcast. By making a purchase through our website, the podcast receives a small affiliate commission from Amazon.com. Also, to learn more about how you can be a part of our circle of supporters, visit patreon.com slash encountering silence. This way you can share in our efforts to bring meaningful conversations about silence to our all too noisy world.